Welcome to the Delicious Podcast and a special series in collaboration with the Food Foundation. I'm Jilly Smith and you'll know me as the host of this show, but I'm also the producer of the Right to Food podcast, featuring its young food ambassadors who are campaigning against children's food insecurity and poverty. The ambassadors have a vision and have written the Children's Right to Food Charter, calling for government action to tackle children's food insecurity and obesity. And in this special series for Delicious, they're looking back over the last year at some of the issues in the food system that COVID has revealed and how to fix them. But first, let's meet some of the young ambassadors and hear some of the stories which have made them some of the most influential voices in the fight against child food poverty. In this episode, we find out how to make your voice heard and who has influence to make real change. Janai Clark has been an ambassador for the Food Foundation for two years and has not only delivered the Charter Against Child Food Poverty to Parliament, but launched the Right to Food podcast with fellow ambassador Shane Robinson on Radio 4. Welcome to the Food Programme, the place for hungry minds. I'm Janai Clark. I'm Shane Robinson. And I'm Sheila Dillon. And this week, the three of us are co-presenting a special edition of the Food Programme to focus on a subject we followed for a long time, but that suddenly crashed its way to the top of the news agenda. And it's not just Sheila Dillon who's listening. Janai. Hi, Emma. You look so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Dame Emma Thompson joined the ambassadors to lend her influence and open a few doors. And then we went to Downing Street. Yeah, we delivered our charter. Delivered the charter, knocked on the bell. Yes. Dev played a game and went and rang the bell <laughs> yeah. and then ran away. <laughs> but behind the headlines and the TV news reports of Dame Emma outside Downing Street with kids with lived experience of food poverty in the sixth richest economy in the world is a story of not being heard. As she met up again with Janai a year and a half after delivering the charter, it was clear that it wasn't enough. So, since then, yeah. what's what's it happened in your mind about this, all of this? Um, well, we obviously, we haven't heard back from them. No, that's important, isn't yeah. it, that we haven't. So, it didn't hit them in between the eyes, perhaps, in the way that we mm. wanted it to. Obviously, COVID happened and lockdown happened and holiday hunger was a massive thing and it's just exaggerated the problem. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm seeing it a lot more. Are it's you? Just, yeah. It's just like, and then when going to shops, it's like there's nothing there. No. And it's just like, how, how, how has the problem gotten worse? Yeah. Like, you thought it couldn't have gotten worse. Yes. And it did. Yes. So it's just, how did this happen? Clearly there's been something wrong. Yeah, there's something so desperately wrong yeah. and the, the safety net that's supposed to be there just is so full of holes, isn't yeah. it? Lived experience. It's the kind of story that the media loves and the Food Foundation ambassadors have plenty of it. But tell me, you know, just a little bit about what you remember about your own experiences when you were little because I think that's really yeah. important for people to hear because because people don't really believe it sometimes yeah. like for me growing up especially during holidays i'd look in the fridge look in the cupboards okay there's nothing to eat what can i do go to bed you just go to bed hungry you sleep it away and because i'm heavily into sports i'm doing sports therapy at university um it was always just like do i have enough energy to go and play sports mm -hmm. and that was a constant decision that i 
been having when I wanted to go to a club, play netball or to play rugby. It was just an ongoing battle and it's wrong that me, along with millions of other young people, have to go through this on a daily basis and then be, get told, oh, that's not true. We don't believe you. Well, that's awful. That's awful because yeah. there's a denial about it. Mm-hmm. And is that because maybe, I mean, people don't want to believe it yeah. because it's it's really shameful, actually. Ignorance With is bliss. With the sixth richest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense. It's not like we've had a big famine and there's no food in the country. The, the country is heaving with food, exactly. actually. But there are deserts in places. Yeah. And, and because... I'm really interested that you're doing sports therapy because you'll be doing a lot on on yeah. what food does to your body. And I wonder if you can remember about the difference between sheep food and, and, and food that made you feel good and food that made you feel bad and talk, yeah. to, talk about that a bit. Can you remember? Yeah, because I remember I used to like, sometimes I would eat before training. It's not the best thing, but I'd eat before training because one time I could really eat. And when I found myself eating, like, chips, burgers, frozen food, I just felt tired. Mm. Like, I had... It was just, like, I wasn't putting enough effort in and I just didn't really want to be there and I was just, like, I want to go to bed Mm. and I just wanted to, you know, just relax. But then when I found myself, like, having a balanced diet, getting everything I needed, it was like, oh, I can can run, I can can sprint, I can pass, I I can do whatever I need to do. And it's just, like, food has a massive impact on how you feel on a daily basis, and anyone will tell you that. But you've made this incredible and fantastically powerful decision now to talk about it as you enter into your young adulthood yeah. and speak for, for others. And as soon as someone hears you say that on this programme, it will be a help, yeah, because, won't it? Yeah. If you'd heard somebody speaking like you... What do you think it would have done for you when you were young? I think it would have just shown me that other people are going through this situation, but you can't let it define you. Mm. You've got to just, mm. this is a situation, but you can you can progress, you can do what you want to do, you can go to uni, you can get an apprenticeship. And like with Marcus Rashford as well, like he's yeah. been through the same situations yeah. and look where he is now. So this might be the situation you're in now, but you don't have to be in the situation forever. No, it will change. Yeah. Change yeah. is coming. Yeah. Oh, are you going to make me cry? I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm holding on to myself <laughs> just to stop the tears from spouting out like a sort of geezer. Before COVID-19, 4.2 million children were living in poverty in the UK. That's nine in every classroom of 30, and that's not funny. Emma and the Young Food Ambassadors had delivered their charter to Downing Street, but government was still being slow to respond. But all that was about to change. In June 2020, the Manchester United footballer Marcus Rashford wrote an open letter to MPs about his experiences of food insecurity using the Food Foundation's data. It was a game-changing moment. You know, my mum, she'd done, she done the best she could. I remember we used to go to a shop called um, Pound World and everything was under a pound and, you know, we'd sort of schedule out the week so we'd get seven yoghurts and you can have one yoghurt a day and, and so on. So she she done the best she could within the circumstances. Emma decided to reach out. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Mrs Rashford, more importantly even. Um, It's Emma Thompson here. Uh, 
I'm so sorry, I hope this isn't an imposition, but I've been listening to you um, talking about food and um, all the data that you were using comes from the Food Foundation and I've been working with them a little bit. And um, so I just wanted, first of all, to thank you so much for changing the face of the argument like that, because I went last year with a wonderful group of young people 15, 16 year olds, um, and some younger to Downing Street to explain the situation and to ask for help. And they all made lots of very positive noises and did absolutely nothing. So thank you for shifting it in the way that you have. Um, it's incredible. I know that every charity and their dog will be asking you to do things. So please ignore this if you're inundated and you're starting the football season, which just makes my thighs ache just to think about. Um, and, and who is going to say hello to an old lady with this hair? Thank you, COVID. Um, but if you were to want to help with the kids, it'd be so brilliant because we're about to present again to government and I know that they'll listen harder if you're with us. And it worked. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Janai, Rabia, Tia, Tyler and Robin, yeah. just five of the team of ambassadors, had found a like mind. Bring Marcus up to date on where we are and what you think, as a group, we're going to do to make sure that this money is in the next budget. That's the goal. The, one of the first things that we actually want to do is um, about free school meals, so making sure that every child who lives with people who are on universal credits gets the free school meals when when they're due, then not really. Mm. We get that the free school meals in school, but what do the kids do when they're not in school? Like, schools mm. have been closed because of covid recently so what have the kids been doing when somebody was on free school meals it was looked as like oh they're scruffy and stuff like that and it's looked down upon people were getting laughed at which obviously isn't really good you shouldn't be laughing at someone for being on free school meals (sighs) and i don't think that's right what did you actually see describe it to me say one one person is just queuing up for the dinner so there's queues for the dinner where they pick up yeah, so you get a card at where the school I went to, so you scan the card. But the people with the food poverty, uh, with the um, free school, free the school FSM, meals, yeah. they had a different card, so it'd stand out, which that shouldn't be a thing either. That's a really good point. Yeah. So that's something that should be changed. All the cards should look the same. Yeah. 100%. What's the problem? Easy to do. Nobody should be singled out for being on free school meals. It shouldn't be looked down upon. Would you? Do you think it's a good idea? Like, this is a question for all of you guys. Um... To, to get in contact with all our local MPs and just go literally into their surgeries and yeah, say, yeah, this is the issue, you ha- please, are you going to support me or not? I mean, like you see in those American TV programmes about politics, everybody ringing up all night, <laughs> ringing all the people in this and just saying, can you get behind this? You have to get behind this. I think because, that is what we need to do. We yeah? need to get in touch. Because if our local MPs have something to say about it, then I'm sure that everyone else can say something about it. Yeah. Building public awareness of everyday food poverty in Britain is vital. But as Emma says, it shouldn't just be the voices of the rich and famous who tell those stories. The most important thing is that they hear you. They hear what you've been through, that they understand what you've been through and that this is a real thing. And when the disbelief goes and the denial goes, then that hopefully will take some of the shame and stigma away because we were also talking about that and you've all all talked about that was Tyler was talking about you know seeing people being laughed at because they've got the um free school meal voucher and they 
they tap it, you know, and it's just like a license for other people who perhaps through ignorance, through, I don't know what it is. I, I don't really understand it. It's out there. It's all about communities. Mm. So if, especially high schools, because you get people from different communities, if one person lives in one area mm. and the other... So I lived in two different two areas that were 10 minutes from each other. Right. But that community is completely different. The complete opposite to that community. So when I move there, then that's when I see... Um, like it's just a complete different life that they that they live, and what's normal to them isn't normal to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where that can come from with people making fun of people or the stigma or whatever it may may be. But once you're within your community, I didn't have none of that when I was younger because mm-hmm. everyone from my school was from my community, and we was all going through the, the same type of stuff so yeah. people don't even know that they're in food poverty because it's so normalised especially yeah. in the north like if you ask a child that's done free school meals they'll say yeah but it's normal I've been on free school meals my whole school life like I was I didn't I felt like everyone had free school meals in primary school because I didn't understand how normalised actually was in like Darwin and Blackburn where we live and it's just difference isn't it because yeah. I can remember when I was little I was really bullied at school because I was fat, I had a plat and a posh accent. <laughs> no, I was like the... But um, you just go, oh, well, I must be awful. You kind of think to yourself, don't you blame yourself? Yeah. And you think there must be something wrong with me. And um, actually, Rabia was talking about that. I was, we were talking about that when she, she'd eaten bad food and it, it she, oh here she is <laughs> tell that story about you've just been eating the bad food because i think the bad food is a really important part of this story as well yeah so um from experiences eating bad food you know whether it's burgers chips takeout um i slowly started to realize that it was taking a toll on my mental health uh feeling insecure about myself um, and definitely, like, just the laziness. Like, before, when I was eating healthier food, I had so much energy. I could go about my whole day. Um, after that, it was downhill. And if um, I remember Corey saying last year, you come out of school, and in some areas, there's just there's just all these chicken shops and yeah. chip That's shops it, and it? all of these food. And, and, of course, you go in there. But it was like that at school, though, like... When we got like when I was at school, we had like a certain amount that we could spend a day. Yes. But it was always the healthier food that was more expensive than the non-healthy food. So yeah. you could pay like what one pound fifty for a pot of fruit, but then it was like what a pound for a chicken burger or something mm. like that. In college, especially in college, you can get a burger and chips for two pounds rather than the meal I should be eating. But it's just like I can't afford it, and even it gets you into bad habits and that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Because even now at university, when I'm doing my own shopping, I'm just like, oh, frozen food is so much easier. It doesn't go out of date. It's a lot cheaper, especially as a student. And it's just like, I, I'm trying to learn how to eat healthier and have a balanced diet at my age. But what's the alternative for families on low incomes? Emma asked Marcus how his mum fed his family. Uh, she used to... She used to put it on, like, a slow cooker oh, every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So while she was at work, she was at work nine till she finished at five, but she didn't get home until about six. Right. Um, but some days I'd have training late. Yeah. So literally I'd, I'd be eating cereal all day. And then when she'd get back from work, we'd have to go catch two buses straight to training and then two buses back 
and then it's like 11 o'clock. So she's got work at 8 in the morning and she's got to get me ready for school. And so some, some days she just, she, I'd understand that, like, you, know, you can't cook on a Thursday was my late day training. Right. So she can't cook on Thursdays. I used to go to breakfast club at like half seven. Mm. Um, and then I'd just be at school all day and then go to my friend's house for a little bit after school, then go home get changed, then I'd just be out playing until she, she got home. And, mm. and that was just my daily routine, really. Yeah, but again, with, like, this stigma, at school, if I went in for, like, two lessons and I said, oh, I'm hungry, they'd be like, oh, why didn't you have breakfast at home? Did your mum not make your breakfast this morning? But in, like, other families where the mums are getting up early and going to work, they wouldn't take that into account that if you have just a slice of toast, you're not allowed to complain about being hungry in school, which yeah. it doesn't really make sense how you can't talk about being hungry. And also, not only that, I'm saying, what, that question, that very question, didn't your mum make you breakfast? It's a sort of criticism, isn't it, of your mum, and you don't want, you don't want to hear that. It's really painful. And Yeah, there's an element of embarrassment when it comes... Like with conversations like that, like there's been many situations exactly the same where it's like teachers, you've complained about being hungry or you've just said it, and teachers have like turned around and said, Well, did you not eat anything for breakfast? Did you not be, get fed this morning or something like that? And it's like, you know that you haven't been fed and you know that you haven't had anything for breakfast, but you can't turn around and say that or say the real reason that you haven't actually yeah. ate mm-hmm. because then it's like, you feel embarrassed. embarrassed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's embarrassment. Stop the stigma was one of the key aims of the Children's Right to Food Charter. Yet the latest Food Foundation research finds that 40% of food-insecure households haven't tried to get help because of the stigma of asking for it. Pulling food poverty out of the shadows with headlines of football heroes and stories of lived experience, 2020 was the year of rethinking the way we feed our poorest kids. And the more the government's priorities excluded hungry kids the more the country raised its voice. Food writer and Instagram star Melissa Hemsley used her influence to keep the momentum growing as Marcus Rashford launched his parliamentary petition to end child food poverty. Janai asked her how she did it. I truly believe that every single one of us is an influencer and every single one of us is an activist because if you care about something and do something about it, then you're an an activist. So I think the important thing that I really try and do is if I'm asking people to do something, make it as easy as possible to do it. So I think the best way to use influence effectively is to tell people exactly what you want them to do and make it easy. So whether it's signing a petition or if you really want to ask those that are able to and are in a position to to donate five quid this week uh make it so simple for them to enter their details make it easy for them to share i think showing people how easy it is to do something is a really good example so hello everyone um i've just signed this petition swipe up to sign it i've also feel i've been able to donate some money this week if you're able to donate five pounds that would be amazing if not we we understand maybe you could share this 10 times instead. And again, it worked. The ambassadors joined the rest of the Food Foundation team on Zoom to watch the moment Marcus's petition hit a million signatures. Five to go! Five to go! Five to go! The Food Foundation ambassadors are now regularly meeting MPs who want to hear their stories of lived experience. 
In November 2020, the government announced a funding package to help alleviate child food poverty, with two out of three asks met. The holiday activity and food programme was extended to all areas in England, to all children who get free school meals, and the value of healthy start vouchers was increased to £4.25. The call for expansion of free school meals to all under-16s with parents on universal credit, though, was turned down. The latest research from the Food Foundation shows the devastating impact the pandemic has had on the UK's most vulnerable populations. Food insecurity remains higher than pre-COVID levels, affecting an estimated 4.7 million adults. Melissa asked Janai what she's learned from the pros about what to do about it. You're a, a dream team with the likes of Emma Thompson and, you know, Marcus Rashford, who is, is a hero of our times. Obviously, they've used their influence for the greater good. Obviously, they're super talented people in their own fields. And beyond that, they've gone, this is not OK. We've had enough. What, what was their advice for how to use your influence? Well, that experience was really, really good. And the mm. main thing, the main thing I got from that experience was you had two different, completely different people. You have Emma Thompson and you have Marcus Rashford. And they were both just coming together on a cause that really needs attention. So that was like the biggest eye opener for me. But as far as advice, they were kind of just like, don't stop, keep going. Thanks for listening to Right to Food on the Delicious Podcast. Next week, I'll be back with the rise of food banks and food clubs with Ambassadors Rabia and Felix. And I'll see you then. 